0: Welcome back to Typically Hazardous. This is Hank Fortner, and I'm excited to bring you this talk. This is a talk we recorded live at the Mint in Los Angeles. And this is released just a few days before, well, maybe one of the most important days of the year. It is released right before Mother's Day. This talk is designed to change your mind and my mind and hopefully change the way the world actually sees mothers. So I want you to check out this talk. It's going to be really exciting. But we have a couple of things I want to let you know about. At the end of this talk, I'm going to reference a thing called the Mother's Day Fund. A group of us got together, a group of founders and a group of people and our team at Adopt Together got together to create the Mother's Day Fund. You can check it out on mothersdayfund.com. Essentially what this fund does is it invites people to give small amounts of money monthly. So that if a lot of us do that, we have the chance to do two things every single month. Every month, our hope is that we can preserve one family and create one family every month. So we would give resources to a mother who is adopting to cover her adoption costs. And we would give resources to a woman who is struggling in a third world or in a vulnerable part of the, of the world. We could give her the support she needed to keep her family together so that every month, our Mother's Day Fund would create one family and preserve one family. We would love for you to be a part of this. And I hope at the end of the talk, you kind of hear the narrative and you hear the heart behind why we're doing this and what we're doing this for. And also, we want to give you some more information. Some of you have been emailing or you've been texting or tweeting that you want to know about things when they're happening. You can join our email list by simply clicking or sending a text to 66866. That's the number. So type in in the number field, 66866. That's the phone number. And then type, just write the name Hank. The word Hank is the only message. And then you will be prompted to join our email list and you'll be up to date on what's happening and what new things are available and some new stuff we have planned in the future. Remember that 66866. Just text the word Hank. And then lastly, on June 14th, if you're in Los Angeles, we are doing another live event and you've been listening to these and you've been hearing these. We'd love for you to be there in person. We'd love to shake your hand and hug you or high-five you or whatever you're physically comfortable with. But June 14th at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles is our plan. We are headed to the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles, a gorgeous space, and we're going to do a summer talk there live. They're totally free. There's no RSVP. You just show up, walk in, and have the time of your life. So we hope to see you there. And also, as this talk progresses, I hope that this Mother's Day, is a day you and your family have an awesome chance to connect or reconnect, or you have a chance to start a slow clap for a mom somewhere in the world. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you guys. Hi. Well, you're here. My name is Hank, if we haven't met yet before, and welcome to The Mint. Are you glad to be here? Uh, great to see you guys. Thank you guys for packing into this beautiful, beautiful venue. Could we start by thanking all the entire team at the Mint for having us and for having us be a part of tonight? Thank you guys so much. Um, I see a lot of faces I know, I see a lot of faces that I don't, and I'm so glad that you guys are here. Uh, A couple of people I want to thank who make tonight possible and do it kind of every time is you have Steve and Mason and Colton and Reed And our sound guy, Wayne Miller, got a phone call like four hours ago because our sound guy was busy. So could we thank them for making tonight possible? They're awesome. You ready for this? Okay, what we're going to do is I'm going to go through some research and some science that I can't believe that I didn't know and you need to know for your life. Uh, And then we're going to talk a little bit about polar bears. And then I'm going to mention a little bit about breastfeeding, but it'll be brief. And then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about God, which is the perfect transition to breastfeeding. And then, and then from there, I'm going to give you five things. There's going to be a really awkward transition where I pull a screen down and you watch a small video, and then I'm, we're going to dance, okay? And that's how we're going, to, we're going to conclude it, is we're going to do a dance. So get ready. I see some people who are already amazing at dancing, and it's going to be awesome to watch you guys. I'm going to talk to you today about moms about mothers how many in the room you are a mother just by show of hands all right all right all right how many of you have a mother or had a mother okay great mothers are the fiercest and most powerful creatures in the world mothers are the fiercest and most powerful creatures so on the count of three what i want you to do is i want just want you to say your mother's name in a hushed and reverent tone because that's how we should speak of mothers you ready for this one, two, three. Yeah. There's a lot of mom in this place. You can feel the energy that when you speak your mother's name because your mother's name represents the fiercest and most powerful creature on the planet. There's a little bit of research for you. Two billion moms on the planet. 83 million moms just in the United States. And every, and every second, 4.3 babies are born. 4.3 kids are born every second. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're me, you're going four, eight, <laughs> 12. Like every second, it's f- as far as I can count in the fours, you're, that's how many kids are born in, on this planet. When a, a, when a child is born, when a woman gets pregnant, some crazy things start happening. Anybody here ever been pregnant by a show of hands? So you, a few of you know. You know what that's like. What happens initially is that your amygdala starts to fire off. Your amygdala are two small almond-sized glands right behind your eyeballs and your brain. It starts to fire off and starts to swell up. The amygdala is necessary for things like empathy, relationship, decision-making. All these things are so essential, and your amygdala is the center of all that. It's the center of your emotions, whether it's outbursts or whether it's calmness, whether it's decisions, whatever it is, which is why when you meet a pregnant woman, you might experience mood swings. Anybody ever see that happen? (laughs) But check this out, fellas, before we get too bold about how, oh, they're going crazy because their mood swings, even when a woman is pregnant, their amygdala is never so unstable as a man's is all the time. All the time. So no matter how social you are and how you've been taught to just sort of hold your emotions in, you are always more amygdalic and unstable than a woman ever is in any hormonal state of her life. So that should calm you down. There's some important stats about what a woman goes through when she gets pregnant. Some important things start to happen in her brain and in her, in her mind. That amygdala also connects the memory modulation in a person's brain. This is why you've ever heard of pregnancy brain. That pregnancy brain means essentially it's all being destabilized, and what it's focused on is places where there's anxiety, places where there's obsessive-compulsive disorder, people have connections to the amygdala, which means, have you ever met a mom who was really, really worried? Anybody have a mom right now who's really, really worried about you? That's her amygdala. It never calmed down after you were born. Because what happens when the amygdala fires is it actually starts to become, as human beings, we are, our brains are open-loop creatures. As an open-loop creature, it means that the activity in your brain can actually interact with the activity in my brain. Whatever's happening in my brain right now will affect the chemical makeup of your brain. So if I'm super, super anxious up here, you'll start to feel anxious on my behalf. Depending depending on how empathetic you are, depending on how connected to it you are, if I'm super calm or super excited, you might be super calm or super excited too. The amygdala starts to waken up, and when it does, the child, when they're born and makes eye contact with that mother, that child's amygdala goes off and they start to bond When that happens and that amygdalic response starts to happen, that mother becomes connected to that child in a way that she is willing to ignore all of her own physical and personal needs for you. That means that that mother who bore you and looked you into the eye, she became a powerful an extraordinary, the fiercest creature on the planet. It's why we named the earth after her. We call it Mother Earth because it's so powerful and the way it cares for us. It's why you're so afraid of mother bears. The father bear, people are like, yeah, he's probably hungry or whatever. Just let him keep going. The mother bear, and I see some Russians in the room. They know. The mother bear is the scariest animal in all of nature because she's willing to sacrifice herself for the protection of her cubs. If anyone in the room has a Jewish mother or an Italian mother or a tiger mother, then you know that every culture has said that you should be afraid of these people because they will protect their young. See, when this starts to happen, when this starts to bond, you may even think somewhere in your mind that in this room even, you go, I don't have kids and I'm a guy, so I'm not going to have a kid. I'm not going to be, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and junior. This is not a part of my future. And you may sit here and you may have, hear this conversation and You may think to yourself, if I don't have kids, then will I ever have this awakening of my amygdala? You know what's happened is that even if you've never had children, and what they did is they studied the brains of people who never actually had biological children but only adopted those children or only came into contact with those children that they cared very much about, you have the same chemical makeup in your brain because your body doesn't care if you bore that child. It just cares if you look at that person and you say, I'll protect them no matter what. You can become a mother... By so many different ways, because according to neuroscience and according to the evolution of your brain and my brain and the way we are growing, it doesn't matter if they came out of your body or not. They can be yours. See, this is the story of my life, as so many of you know. My mom has fostered 36 kids while I was growing up. So in in essence, I was a foster mother for 36 kids. (laughs) My parents then adopted eight kids from six different countries. So my family has had so many kids in it that my mom also had three of us biologically and we've watched the span of what happens to a person's brain, to a person's life, and to a person's soul as they begin to grow. And your brain connects to another human being, whether you're male or female, whether you have a child or whether you are a child, you can connect in such a way that brings about this motherhood in you. Because think about what the kind of pressure we put on moms. Why are they the most fierce creatures in the world? Because what we do is we ask them to grow a human inside of their body, okay? And they're just going to keep growing that human inside of their body. And then when it's done, we are either going to push that human out of a very small part of their body. Or if that doesn't work, we're going to cut it out of their body. Then when we're with you, we're going to hand that child to them. And we're going to say, all right, take care of it for the rest of your life. And your boobs are going to become fast food restaurants, Right? And then after that happens and after that occurs inside a mother's life, what what do we as a society, we as a culture, we in this room, what do we expect them to do? We expect moms to go home and take this infant home that needs their attention, I will say, every 20 seconds an infant needs their mother's attention. And every 20 seconds she needs her mother's attention. The mother in the first year of the life of the child will lose an average of 700 hours of sleep. The average person in this room sleeps seven hours a night. So the average person in the first year will lose 100 nights of sleep. Women, who are mothers, are the fiercest, most powerful creatures on the planet. I don't know about you, but I can't live without 100 hours of sleep seven times in a row. See, all of this is going to happen, and then we as a society, we expect those women to, by the way, get their bodies fit after they have this child. And then we expect them to think through all the things and educate that child. And then we expect them to have a clean house and look good when they leave the house. And then we expect them to teach their kid to read by the time they are 1.8 years old and manage all of it. Oh, and by the way, while they're healing, they're supposed to have sex with their husband too to keep him happy. And then all the while, there's going to be all these people everywhere they go in public are going to judge them. And they're going to be like, why are they keeping, why, why, why would she, you shouldn't feed your kid that. Have you, have you ever watched a person who doesn't have kids tell a person who has kids anything about their life? The next time you do, I want you to walk over and just slap them open-handed. <laughs> I cried across the face. And you could say that I said you could do this. You'd be like, Hank told me that this is, this is socially responsible. Because you pile all that judgment on, and then all the while, the mom will walk around, and she will feel like she's not enough. And she'll feel like she should be able to do it. And she'll feel like she wasn't as much as this person or this person. And the comparison game goes on and on and on. And it was a woman named Lisa, a poet named Lisa who said that all, women, all mothers want forgiveness and all fathers want applause. Because I'll tell you, the difference between Sue Ann going out in public with our children and me going out in public with our children is they look at Sue Ann like, can you keep your kids down? And they look at me like, oh. You ever noticed that? You see a dad with a kid and it's like, ah. Oh. Sue Ann walks on a plane with three kids and they're like, please don't sit next to me. I walk on a plane with a kid in my front pack and a kid on my shoulders and they're like, oh my gosh. And then during the flight, people will walk up and be like, hey, I'm 30 rows back. I just want to make sure you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks. Here, I brought some snacks. Here's a game. Here's a, because what are the, 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 the connection to it is they just expect women to be superheroes. Because somewhere along the line, we know that mothers are the fiercest, most powerful creatures in the world. See? But then in addition to that, the mothers are a lot like Batman. Because Batman didn't have any super strength. He just made a lot of super sacrifices. And see, somewhere along the line throughout history, we've forgotten that the people who bore you, that the women that brought you into this world here in this room, we forgot the sacrifices they made and the hundreds of hours that they went through and the brain chemistry that changed along the way. And see, you know, in nature, it's the polar bear. The polar bear female does 100% of the care of the child. 100%. The polar bear males, you know what they do? disappear. The minute that baby is born, that polar bear male is gone. He's going to either go find another female, or he's just going to disappear and keep hunting. The female is in charge of protecting, feeding, taking care of, and keeping warm to keep that child alive. Isn't that crazy? See, I think some of you in this room, and I wonder if some of you in this room, you had polar bear type fathers, and somewhere along the line of your life, your father disappeared like a polar bear in the winter. And it was just you and your mom. And I meet people all the time, and I meet people every day who have these these fathers who pulled a polar bear move. But see, it would be so easy to take that low-hanging fruit and to say, well, uh, my polar bear father, he disappeared. And you could let that define who you are. But the reality is, in order to have a polar bear father, that means you had a polar bear mother. And that means you had the fiercest, scariest bear in all of the animal (laughs) kingdom for your mother. And that means she took care of you and she loved you and she did crazy things to protect you and hold on to you. All of this sounds so crazy, doesn't it? Doesn't having children sound miserable? (laughs) It does. And you would think that because it's so miserable, why do people do it? And then you see people who have like five kids and it's like, what, didn't you learn after the first one? (laughs) But check this out. Research describes that In 2008, a journal was published that says there are similar brain regions that are activated when a cocaine addict gets a shot of cocaine, so it is for moms when they look at their babies. So somewhere along the line, there is this crazy, miserable thing that happens, is that you fall in love with the misery of being a mom. (laughs) David Brooks described it as that that your child is half Stormtrooper and half Cupid. They are both destroying your life and you're falling in love with them the whole way. And then somewhere in the midst of all of that, it's the same thing that's happening in your brain. It's why when my wife and I are together, when Suanne and I are together and we have our kids, we're like, oh my gosh, this is insane. This is too much. This is too much to do. The minute we drop our girls off at school or we drop our girls off at church, she looks at me and she's like, I want another baby. It's like... Were you not here five minutes ago? She's like the cocaine addict. She's like, I need this, I need this. And then takes the hit and goes, no, this is the last time. This is the last time. And then it's gone and you're like, I need more. I just need one more. No, you don't need one more. We're going to wait. I have two more waiting for us as soon as this hour is up that we don't have this child with us. See, all this craziness begins to happen and all this rewiring is happening in our brain. Because what moms do in our life, what our mothers did in our life, is they absorbed all of our crazy. See, what moms really do is that they fall in love with the absorbing of all of the wounds that happened to you and me in this room. There was a poet who once said that when you have a child, your heart walks around outside your body. Everything that happens to you, they felt. Everything that happens to you, they feel. Everything that happened to you in your life and has happened to you in your life, you took days off of their life Guys, any guys in the room? Fellas? You took days off of your mother's life when you were born. Because testosterone compromises her immune system and shortens her her life expectancy. You physically took days off of her life. And then when you brought that hussy home from college, then you really took days off of her life. But what moms do is they absorb the crazy and they absorb the pain. I watched my mom do this 36 times in our home. I watched my mom hold foster kids in our home as they wept and they screamed afraid of the dark because someone was going to come in and hurt them. And I watched my mom rock them to sleep until 2 and 4 and 6 in the morning to let them know no one was coming through those doors. I watched my mom absorb the pain of my brothers and sisters that was self-inflicted. It was my mother who was most when my little sister snuck a drug dealer into our house over and over and over until she had a baby with him and then went off and then he went to jail and then she disappeared and she was estranged and it was my mom who was secretly meeting her at coffee shops when everyone else said that's enough because she was absorbing all the hurt. It's my mom who absorbed all that and I watched over and over and over how you mothers in this place, you fierce and powerful mothers in this place. You absorb all of it for your children. And you know that all the decisions you make, your parents, your mother, she holds all of those. She sees all of those. Now, you might even be thinking in this room, you might be thinking that somewhere along the line, you go, well, I'm, I'm still not a mom. And some of you in this room, I know that you're here, you actually lost your mom. I know that there's some of you in this room that you're estranged from your mom and you go, because moms hit that certain level of crazy, don't they? You have that moment where you sort of wake up and you're like, oh, my mom's insane. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. It was that insanity that made her love you. So you got to hold on to that a little bit. But there is some, some distance there that's necessary. So we have to ask ourselves a question, like who's, what is actually a mother? How do we define mother? Webster's does it in two different ways for two different times. You can define a mother as, as a noun. A mother can be defined as a noun as a person who gave birth to a child she's therefore related to. That's the first noun. The second one is the extreme of anything. The mother is the extreme or the highest of everything. Have you ever been in, seen the mother of all storms? Have you ever seen the mother of all traffic? Have you ever been in the mother of all situations or have the mother of all dates? Thank you, Tinder, for those. Have you ever seen the mother of all things? See, what the noun is describing is that the mother is the highest because mothers are fierce and powerful creatures. So we define them as the biggest of things. Have you ever met the mother of dragons, perhaps? (laughs) And you know that what it doesn't require throughout all of that definition is one description is that you gave birth to that child. The other description is that you just chose to be the biggest thing in that person's life. A mother is the biggest thing in your life. You may in this room be thinking of your biological mother, and that may be disappointing to you. She may be far away from you, or she may you may have lost her. But somewhere along the line, you have the biggest thing in your life, the biggest person in your life, the mother of all people of your life. And that is what Webster's describes as what is our mother. The second one he describes is he describes the verb of mother. The first one The very first verb of motherhood is to mother something, to protect, to fuss over, to put your arms around, to coddle, to care for. That's the verb of mothering. The second definition of the verb of mothering is to have the child. So the most important thing about mothering, the most important definition of mothering is when you extend outside of yourself, let your amygdala connect to their amygdala, let your arms spread wide and you go, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to coddle you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to do the mothering for you. See, I bet there's so many people in this room that you have been mothered by people that were, you thought were just your friends. You've been mothered by people, probably you've been mothered by people you dated, and I bet that was awesome. You've probably been mothered by so many people along the way that that biological mother is just one mother we have to thank this Mother's Day. But there's probably been lots and lots. See, what the reality is for you and me, we have this longing. We have this desire to be protected and to be cared for. It's deep at our core. And what I know is that we, in this room, never age out of the need of a mom. You turn 18 and then you're no longer related to as a child, but you're not immune to the need for mothering you turn 21 and you can now make worse decisions with your life legally but you're not immune to being cared for and not immune to your need for a mom and your biological mother may have gone crazy and your biological mother and your relationship you may not be able to be connected in that way but it doesn't mean that your soul doesn't long for that connection your soul doesn't long for that need so some of you in this room you've lost your mom's And I watched my dad lose his mom when he was in his 30s. And I learned when I watched him lose his mom that a man needs his mom too. And what I know about my life is I know that in 2012 when a doctor called and told us that our daughter, Cora, was going to have severe genetic disorders that was going to limit her capacity for and her quality of life. I remember sitting on a couch in our home and getting that phone call. And we had a conversation with Sue Ann and we heard those words and we took a deep breath and we prayed together. And then I went downstairs and I called my mom. Because even a 30-year-old, you got to get on the phone with your mom. And I told my mom, I said, listen, this is what the doctors are saying. And you know what she did? She turned into a big, scary, white polar bear. <laughs> and she looked at me over the phone, not in the eyes, but like but I know they were there, you know, kind of like a polar bear in the wilderness. You can't see them, but you know they're there. And she said, send me your address. I was like, what? She said, send me your address. I'm going to buy the nearest condo. And I'm going to come back there every single week. She said, you listen to me. Nothing can happen that we cannot handle. Listen to me. We got this. She said, if I have to come back there every week, if I've got to move the whole crew into a small condo somewhere, we're going to move. My mom still has eight kids living at home. She was going to live in a one-bedroom somewhere and just let my dad commute back and forth via car. (laughs) 3,000 miles. She goes, we got this. We can handle all of this. My mom polar-beared me. Because you don't age out of that. See, some of you in this room, you may not have the relationship with your mom that I have with mine. But you still need to let people mother you. You still need to let human beings mother you. See, the difficult thing about this mother conversation is that so many of you still may have in your mind that a mother is a female who bore a child, when in reality, according to Webster and according to society, the act of mothering is actually a verb that can be done very powerfully by the people in your life. Some of my best mother friends are guys, single straight men in their 40s. I am bi-coastal. I don't know. Anybody here bi-coastal? Okay, yeah, you, okay. We're both bi-coastal. I'm not really bi-coastal. I tell people I have a house in Los Angeles and I have a loft in New York, which is true. I have a loft that I can use anytime. It's not technically mine, and I don't pay for it, but I have it. (laughs) And it's my friend Matt, and it's his place, and it's amazing, and it's in this cool China. It's in Chinatown, and you're in like this crazy zone where you, where the first person you see looks awesome, the next person you see looks like they're going to kill you, the third person they see looks amazing, and they're carrying like live ducks through town. It's incredible. Then you go into his apartment, and whenever I get to his apartment. Always, 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 and without fail, he's written me a welcome note. And then his house looks awesome, and then he always asks me, can I make you breakfast, can I make you dinner, or can I do your laundry? He's a 40-year-old straight male who's the best mother that I have ever had as a friend. All he does is care for me, care for me, care for me, and he always hits me up and goes, let me know if you need absolutely anything. So I can give you his phone number, too, because some of you ladies are like, what? Okay. I know. I know, it blows my mind. (laughs) And somewhere along the line, there may be some of you in this room and you're guys and you thought, nah, I'm going to ignore that instinct that I have to mother the people in my life. My mom has an extraordinary and insane talent to mother. You may have that talent as well. I have people in my life who have the talent to go, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to care for you and I'm going to fuss over you and I'm going to coddle you and I'm going to worry about you. It's where we get the word to smother So I'm going to give all of us in this room an invitation to have permission for those of you who know that that's a skill you have and you've just held back because you're like, I think that would be weird or that may not be appropriate. Smother the people in your life because our society and our city needs more people who lean in and go, you don't age out of being a mom. And most people's moms don't live here. So we're going to mother a little bit of each other. Are you down with that? Can you join me in a little bit of mothering for our, for our city and for our people? The next thing I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you for a moment about God. I want to talk to you about God, our mother, which might sound a little weird. And the hyper-conservative people who are listening to this, I'm so glad you're alive. I really am. And that might freak some people out to go, you've heard of the Our Father. Anybody know the Our Father? Yes. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Isn't that crazy? It's like Pavlovian, right? It's just like, oh, well, yeah, I've don't done that thing. You're doing the Our Father in a bar on Pico. Isn't that amazing? But check this out. No one's ever written the Our Mother, which I think is weird. Because so many people would be nervous about calling God a she or calling God Our Mother. But in the scriptures, in the Torah, and in the gospels, Jesus and God are all described as mothers. The feminine language and the mother language for God is almost overwhelming and too many for us to talk about in this context. And yet so very little of it is described as God our mother. So I thought I'd go through a couple. You down with that? There's a few that I want to make sure that we don't leave here without hearing. The passages. There are scriptures in the, uh, in the scriptures that describe God as having a womb. The womb where you and I came from. The womb where the earth was formed. The scriptures describe different visualizations. Prophet described God as having gro- moaning pains as a woman in childbirth. The scriptures describe God as a breastfeeding mother who will not sacrifice and will not abandon her children. Now, God could use lots of different language, but He uses the description of mother. Why? Because mothers are the fiercest and most powerful creatures on the planet. Additionally, there's a few other verses that are really important. And this one is really fun. So Anne didn't get it, so I'm going to give it to you, and then we're just going to kind of go with it, and hopefully I'll be really, really clear about this. You ready for this? In Deuteronomy 32, it says this. God is like a mother eagle hovering over her young. God is a mother eagle hovering her over her young. 92% of bird species, the male bird actually hovers over the young. But in the Scriptures... On purpose, they choose a female bird species to say God is like a mother eagle. He's underscoring the fact that God has a feminine and extraordinary power that he is mothering you and protecting you. It was Jesus standing on a rock who said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. God, our mother. This is, can you see how crazy this is? That these words would be written in a time and place where women had almost no rights at all. You could beat a woman for stepping out of line. You could divorce her for no reason. They weren't educated. And it would be, since Jesus said these words, it would be 1,200 more years until we let women have birthdays. And Jesus goes, I'm a mother hen. See, he is liberating and elevating the feminine life and describing the mother as the fiercest and most powerful creature on the planet. See, for some of you, that may be why you're here tonight. Is because somewhere along the line in your life, you have sensed and you have felt this desire and this longing for protection. And maybe the only thing that you need to hear is that God longs to mother you. He longs to protect you. He longs to bring you close. He longs to coddle you. And maybe he even wants to do a little smothering. Is that God is of that presence and that force And that weight on your life that says he's always here. And like a mother, when you hurt, he hurts. And like a mother, when you long for things, he longs for things. And like a mother, when you're wounded and when you're stuck, he's stuck. And that right here in this place and in this space, you may have had that sense for years that there's something spiritual about your life. That there's something spiritual and there's something serious that's going on that doesn't fit inside the context of religions. And it just doesn't fit in square boxes. And some of you, you might be really religious. But my guess is because you're in a sweaty bar off Pico, you're not. <laughs> but you've had the sense all along, almost like a pressure, a sense that God wants to mother you like an eagle and a hand. He wants to pull his wings around you and bring you close. So tonight my invitation to you is to let him. The invitation to you is to let your friends mother you. Let your people mother you. Lean into the mothering tendency you have because when you're doing that, you're doing the fiercest, most powerful thing on the planet. See, it might seem weak for a guy to go home and mother all my friends. It might seem kind of weird. I wouldn't announce that like at first if a person hasn't heard this talk. But I would say deep inside, that you're going to take care and bring your people close and say, I'm going to mother the ones I love. I'm going to mother the ones who are close to me. I want to invite you to embrace how God wants to mother you. Let him in. That might look as simple as you going, okay, God, I feel the wing. I feel the presence. I feel the thing. I feel the heaviness. I feel this in my life. I'm ready for you to do something. It's just an invitation to lean in and go, okay, here we go. But there's a couple of invitations I want to invite you to that's not just that one. The first one is I want to to invite you to just let God mother you. Second invitation I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to mother the ones you love. To make a list of them tonight on your phone or tonight when you're driving home or in your mind's eye as you're driving or before you fall asleep and go, these are the people in my life I'm going to mother. I want to invite you to, to hear the call of Mother's Day. This Only a 108-year-old tradition to say this day, this thing is a celebration of the fiercest and most powerful creatures on the planet, and you lean into that fierce power every time you mother the people in your life. But then I want to invite you to do this other thing. I want to invite you to mother the person who bore you, because somewhere along the line, our moms get a little crazy, and then we get a little distant from them. It's our mothers who still have a need to be mothered a little bit. And maybe you've sensed that in your life where the, the tables have turned, and then all of a sudden you're giving your mom advice. Anybody have that happen to your life? And you're like, I'm only 16, but why am I talking to my mom about dating? Or, you know, you're having these conversations where you're like, wow, I'm sort of giving my mom advice, and I'm, I just turned 20. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even pay my own bills, and I'm giving her life advice. But somewhere along the line, everyone who has that person in your life Lean into the woman to bore you. Lean lean into that woman and bring her mothering. I have two more things I want to invite you to do before we leave. One I'm going to show you a video for, and then the other is going to lead us right into our dance. Okay? And I'm ready. Okay? I'm so ready for this. The, The first one is I'm going to invite you to mother the ones who need you. Because the reality is on our planet today there are 19 million orphans. In the United States alone, there are 525,000 kids in foster care. There are 48,000 of them just in Los Angeles County alone. 13 of them will age out of that foster care system every single day. 13 of them. Half of them will become homeless. Half of them will be unemployed. 80% of the people in our prison system in the United States, that came out of foster care. 80% of women in this country who are forced into prostitution, they came out of foster care. It is a dangerous place to be a cub in a world without a mother bear. So my invitation to you is that we take a big, deep breath and we go, hey, the world around us, the city around us, you know what it needs? It needs us to mother the people in our life. It needs us to mother the people that we love. It needs us to mother the people who bore us. But it needs us to mother the people who need us, to mother the kids on this planet. So what we've done to this year is we've launched a little test, a little beta, a little thing that I want to invite you to be a part of with us. There's no pressure or hard ask for this. It's just an invitation for you to find a way, some place in your life, to mother people who need it in your life. What we did is we launched this thing called the Mother's Day Fund because our goal is twofold. Every single month, we want to fund one family and preserve one family so that everyone who's a part of it could be a part of it in a very small way or in a very big way and say we want to preserve the power because we believe in the power of motherhood around the world. Because here's the deal. If you invest in moms... If you invest in mothers, if you invest in motherhood, you get to see how the power of that mother affects all the kids on the planet. So what we need more are those polar bear moms. What we need more are those mother bears. And so if you want to join us, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you this small video. We worked really hard on it, and I hope you love it. We're going to show you this little video, and then I'm going to explain you one more thing and one more ask, and then we're going to dance. You ready for this? Okay.
1: Dear moms... Wherever you are in the world, we salute you. For the good moments and the hard ones, without you, we'd be lost. After all, no one ever called it Father Earth. That just wouldn't make sense. No one ever said, beware of the dad bear. It's the mother who stops at nothing to protect her cubs. You're the one. The only mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. The Mother's Day Fund supports vulnerable women to preserve families and supports adoptive mothers to grow theirs. Join us and give the gift of motherhood for mothers. Isn't that cool?
0: So I want to invite you to go to Mother'sDayFun.com, or you can check out the merch table outside and get involved in that so that you and I, we can mother the ones in the world who need us. Last thing, I want to invite you with me to take the heart of this. Oh, by the way, isn't this cool? Cari yeah. made this. Where's Cari? Kari's right here. Kari made this. Our hashtag for Mother's Day is mums the word and all of you got tattoos. What we want to do is we want to blow up Mother's Day. We spend $14 billion every year on Mother's Day. Did you know that? We spend $2 billion of them on flowers, which I find interesting because it's sort of when you give a mom flowers, you're sort of giving her like a metaphor of what you've done. You, you, you've sort of torn her out of her natural environment and made her a mom and put her in some stale water and then said, be beautiful all the time even though you don't have sunlight and I won't feed you unless I get that expensive little packet and the flowers... And so when we give $2 billion worth, I want to invite you to give with us for Mother's Day to support the moms. So join us with Moms the Word. But what I really want to do is I hope that tonight, my goal for tonight, is that you would leave and never look at mothers the same way again. Never look at yourself as you mother the people in your life the same way again. Never look at the people who are mothering you the same way again. Never look at a person or a woman at a grocery store or at a playground or on an airplane. Oh, the airplanes. When you see a woman with a child on her hip, what I would love is that we would start a little movement of the slow clap. Because <laughs> here's the deal. Everything I just described, every time you see a woman carrying a child, she just lost 700 hours of sleep, and by the time that child is two years old, she will have changed 70 to 100 diapers. So when you see a woman carrying a child, realize that by a, a preschooler needs their mother an average of 410 times a day. We should just start a little. And check this out. When you're on an airplane, and I know you, because it's me. When you're on an airplane, you see a woman who's walking on, and she's got a kid on her hip, and she's walking through, and sometimes that's Sue Ann. I see what you do. You look away, and you're like, dear God, don't sit next to me. And you you fiddle with your little neck pillow, and you are like, close your eyes, like praying to God that they don't sit right next to you. Instead, the next time you see a woman bringing a child onto an airplane, an intercontinental, international flight, I want you to just stand up and go, ladies and gentlemen, this lady right here. She's a hero, because guess it out, you're going to be watching Iron Man for the third time in a row, and you're going to sleep right over the Atlantic Ocean, and she's going to be juggling and doing all this stuff, because a woman is the fiercest, most powerful creature on the planet. So the next time, and I am 100% serious, the next time you're with a couple of people, because you're going to need somebody to back you up on this, we've got to start a slow clap every time you see a mom. I saw this mother. She had three kids, and she was trying to get all of them in security at, a, at, the, at the airport. I think they were headed to San Francisco or somewhere. And I walked over and said, hey, this is nuts. Can I do anything to help you? She goes, no, no, it's just crazy. And there's a kid running around in circles and doing <laughs> crazy things. And I just looked over. I just, looked, I just said, you're doing an amazing job. And I was just like, yes. Yes. Find all the moms and cheer for those mothers on this Mother's Day. I hope Mother's Day is ruined for you forever. I hope when you see a mother, you look at them and you go, these are the most fierce and powerful creatures on the planet. I hope you embrace the call of motherhood in your life and I hope you allow and you invite the God who is the creator of mothers and who's the mother who wants to come alongside you and get close to you and protect you. I hope you embrace all of these things so that you and I, we can celebrate the fiercest, most powerful creatures on the planet. Those mothers in this room and those mothers outside of this room. What I would love to do here in this room, before we do our dance, is I would love to say a prayer for all of you. For you if you're a mom. For you if you're having a hard time because you're trying to be a mom. For you if you're in this room and you've lost your mom. I want to say a Mother's Day prayer for all of you that God the mother would be the one who comes close to you. Even if you're in this room and you're a mom and you kind of don't want to be anymore. And after all the things I shared, no one in this room is going to blame you at all. You got no social pressure here. I want to say a prayer for you and then we're going to do a dance. Let's close our eyes. And if you've never prayed before, and if you've never been a part of this, I just want to invite you to close your eyes and see this as a meditation, but there's a voice on the other side. God, we thank you for this room, that you are the mother to all of us. I pray in this room for the men and women who are longing to be parents, and it feels like it just isn't happening, and they can't spin the Rubik's Cube the right way. I pray, God, that you would awaken their amygdalas and they would see mothering as a way of life. And I pray for their children that are somewhere in the world, whether they come from their womb or they come from the system or from another place in the world, that you would bring their children into their home. God, I pray for all the moms in this room, for the burdens that they carry and the weights that they carry. I pray that you would transform them from Batman into some superhero insane human strength that you would give them an overwhelming sense that we are all cheering for. Them. I pray in this room for every single person that we would lean into the call to mother, that we would protect the ones close to us, that we would care for the ones close to us, and that we would do just a little bit of smothering today. And God, I pray for the uh, the most unawkward, amazing, like chills-inducing moment of the slow claps that are gonna happen because of the people in this room. I ask, God, that you would give us eyes to see the people who need the cheering on the most. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.